Hi, my name is Gabriel. And I'm Ben. And we're the Dungeon Delvers. Today's topics are going to be Pokemon, D&D, and Warframe. Wait, we were talking Our first about Pokemon? Topic, Pokemon? Yes. So, Pokemon. Very big company, right? Yeah, Nintendo. It's a very big company. So why is it so good? Well, it, why is it so big? Why is it so great? Why are, you, why are you asking such serious questions? This is supposed to be a fun podcast. Okay. Why well, do you think it is so fun? I don't know. I just walk around catching little creatures and fighting with them. Did you know the creator of Pokemon actually based it off of, of him catching bugs? Yeah, I knew that. I also knew that the creator of The Legend of Zelda based it off of just well, his ex- his well, his explorations in his backyard. So, what's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, it would have to be Necrozma. Canonically Mine the is... most powerful Pokemon. Mine is Squirtle because of obvious reasons. My first Pokemon game was Gen 1. My first and... was Gen 6. So. Sun and Moon? Ultra Sun and Moon? No, X and Y. That's Gen 6. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I picked Squirtle as my starter because he was adorable. And my first Pokemon plush was a Squirtle. Sadly, For my I lost very him a first starter ago. was Froakie in Gen 6. And then for well, Gen... So what is your top 10 favorite starters? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know all of them. Uh, it would, it would definitely. Wait, are we naming them out? Like, are we calling them for like the first evolution or final evolution? Um, either. Uh, actually, what, whatever stage you want. So definitely Greninja, Decidueye, uh, Blaziken. Hmm. Let's see here. Uh, Napoleon, maybe. Uh. It's kind of hard. Well, I have to tell you one thing about Empoleon. His type matchup is terrible, especially in Gen uh, Gen 4, because fire is everywhere, and it kills you. Empoleon's a water type, though, so wouldn't that cancel yes. out? Uh, yeah, but still, when you think a water type is supposed to be strong against fire when it's just neutral against fire, and yeah, one well But he looks cool, though. Stupid trident forehead. He looks cool. Do he not has insult a stupid... his trident forehead. Okay, but he also has those really weird claw finger thingies. Yeah. Like he has, he has blades for arms and then tiny claw fingers. Like how do you grab things? You don't have elbows. He stabs them. What? Like, what about if you're trying to grab a phone? Do you stab I, I, the phone? I. I t- <laughs> He's a Pokemon. He doesn't need phones. Okay, so my top ten favorite starters would be Squirtle, Swampert, um, Chimchar, Turtwig, um, Bulbasaur, uh, Poplio. Um, I had Charmander's up there as well in my list. Somewhere up there. Uh, Grookey, uh, Sobble, and I think that's about it. 
Oh yeah, Score Bunny's also up there. I like Score Bunny. So, top ten favorite Pokemon games that you've played. I've oh, I, I I haven't even played ten. Okay, what is your favorite Pokemon game that you've played? Definitely the Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Uh, mine probably uh, Sword and Shield. Yeah, I I, I just, actually I have Pokemon Sword, but I haven't played it too much. Oh, I beat both of the stories. <laughs> I I'm I'm still at the the Fire Gym, so yeah. So. So let's switch the topic. Right, um, How about D and D? Yeah, D and D. There, D and D is probably one of my favorite games. Well, even though it we is actually have a, a, a TRPG. We have a campaign tomorrow. Yeah, you're DMing it for once. Yep, we're gonna be play Waterdeep Dragon Heist. You know, I've actually really, I really wanted to play my Dragonborn Warlock character, Alexen. Yeah, but we're playing random characters. I, I, I really. I really don't want to play that random so, fish person. I want to play Alex in that. So wait, what character were you playing? I was playing a, like, fish person paladin. Wasn't he, like, It, it not... was a she. Oh, yeah, it was a she. <laughs> because well, I don't we... play many female characters in D&D, so... I guess we what? were originally not rolling for gender and you could pick it, but then, but then it was like, it for hmm. someone else so that everyone yeah, else had then... to do it. And then Ben was like, hmm, I want to do this. So then he just you rolled it. You made me do it. I did make you do it. Uh. <laughs> and then he, he has really good stats, though. Yes, very, very good stats. You mind if I change the race and class to my, to my liking? Nope. Dang it. I was going to make Alex then. So, uh, next question. What about uh, the other campaign? Your campaign. I have some big stuff planned for it. Let's just so, say something's gonna go boom. Well, in the campaign, I'm playing a Yuanti Pure Blood Bard. Yes. He's he's really charismatic, and our mascot is a flying snake. Not really a flying snake. A mage more hand like flying a, snake. More like a small snake being held up by a spectral hand. Yeah, and he's great. <laughs> we go up to people and freak them out. Yes. The other people who are in our party are, um, a high moon elf. Uh, yeah, a moon elf sorceress with a bit of wild magic. Um, a earth genasi. Uh, I think. Wizard. Um, no, I don't think he was a wizard. I think he was a monk. Yeah, monk. And then a Goliath fighter or barbarian? Um, no, we didn't have a Goliath. We had yeah, Seth's a... Seth's playing a Goliath. Oh, oh then, then the monk was a Goliath and the Earth Genasi was a wizard. And then oh, yeah. the... Uh, and then we had a Warforged... Uh, Warforged Warlock, explain. Yeah, but he doesn't play it like a Warforged. He plays it like he's a regular anime dude. <laughs> yeah, he based it off of some random anime character that no one knows. So, yeah. So, Ben, do you have a pair, a set of cursed dice? Um, no, not really. 
So I have a pair. I have two sets of blessed dice, my Tide Pod dice, which are basically um, yellow, uh, orange, and blue with white uh, numbers. And I have my metal dice, which are my favorite dice, and I use them all the time. Well, I have a set of metal dice that, that's missing the, the D4 somewhere in this world. And someone's yeah, going to have a massive hole in their foot somewhere yeah, we're in all, this world. We're, we're both scared on step of stepping on ours because I lost my D4 as well. Yes, a D4, if you, if you look it up, is very pointy. Especially the metal ones. Points. Yeah. So... Uh, what character are you planning on playing next? Uh, I have not played Alexon in a very long time, and I was thinking of just playing him. But since so, you won't let me play him in your campaign... I mean, I might make him an, an uh, uh, NPC for you guys to meet, if that's okay. I would have to tell you how to roleplay him and stuff. Yeah, but I think I could do it. He is... So, Alexon... My character, he is, well, he is, he knows he's very powerful, but he doesn't like to use it too often. So he's like a lazy, overpowered guy? No, he's reluctant. He's not lazy. He's definitely a doer. Okay. But, and also he's a little loose in the mind due to his patron. Okay, so, And his patron more. is, is a, well, is a, a forgotten entity that is said to be the first elemental, but it, uh, but some some say that he is also ho, ho one of the ancient primordials. There aren't too many proper her like identifications of him, of his patron, but all all they know is that those who gaze upon him for too long will be driven mad. So, um, what are we going to plan on doing on Wednesday after Waterdeep ends? Uh, water, your Waterdeep campaign will last a while. I know it will, but after, like, four months of sessions, it should be over. Yeah. Well, so, what about, um, Star Wars d and I don't know. I I'll DM it, but it's a really fun Maybe. So it's Big basically maybe. like it's it's D and D five e, pretty similar combat, but you basically uh, different classes, different races. It's really fun, and you could be a to a space tabaxi. <laughs> they're 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 like cat. They're called cathars, and they are basically space tabaxis. I I, I was I was never really too interested in, in the tabaxi race, but space tabaxi. Maybe. Okay, so changing the topic. What about Actually, wait, wait, Warframe? Wait. Let's not change the topic just yet, because we were going to talk about D and D lore. Oh and yeah, I know a great deal about that stuff. Okay, quick, go. So, oh, you may wonder. What are the, the stars truly in the sky of the Dungeons & Dragons universe? Some of them, yes, are stars. Are those massive balls of gas that float in, the, in space. But some of them are much more mystical. They're holes in 
what you would call the fabric of reality. Well, in your little, little sphere. Every universe in D&D, no matter the campaign or the setting or anything, it all takes place within a crystal sphere of sorts. And, and every crystal sphere contains a, well, different realities, different rules, and different campaigns. Some, so, some campaigns so what about the Feywild? DMs. Hmm? What now? What about the Feywild? All of those, di well, so all, all of the, d d like the different realms, those are within the crystal spheres. The space that uh, that crystal sphere encompasses is infinite. So, how do people get out of them? Well, occasionally you can find holes in the in the night sky, and if you go to those holes, you can go through. And every crystal sphere is well, is within a massive, gaseous substance called aether. It is. Well, and it's basic. It's a, some say it is what creates everything. So, what but about the different planes? The, are those the different planes of existence all are within a crystal sphere. So, the crystal spheres ho hold many different planes of existence. Yes. But still have. So, are. What holds all the other crystal spheres in the aether? A mash. It's, it's basically just infinite space of. Well, and it's filled with a gaseous substance that is called aether. As I said before, some believe it, it is what everything is made up from. But there is so far no proof. Since aether cannot pass within crystal spheres normally whether being teleported within or passing through those holes, it just disappears. But if you crack us a crystal sphere, Aether will start to seep in. And one quality about Aether that is extremely dangerous is it's flammable. And every crystal sphere has a, has a central star would, that is the largest within the crystal sphere. And when so that Aether reaches that star, the entire reality of that crystal sphere goes boom. Explodes. So. Yeah, one of my characters is actually based around this concept of the crystal spheres. Is it he is a like Warforged artificer named, Nic named Nickel. And didn't he make like a uh, sp uh, space jammer that spell was... Spell jammer. Spell, spell jammer yeah, that spell that was able to create holes in the crystal sphere and travel outside to the aether. Yes. Yes, he created a spell jammer that could go through the crystal that could leave and enter crystal spheres. Wow. And well, basically, he is basically I made him as a character that could fit any setting. So. What about if it's not Eberron? Well, didn't so I how would say? You... His main quest is to go out and, and explore the different realities that there are. Beyond where the gods want to go. Because so what, when what level would he the, be? Hmm? Oh, he's about third level at the moment. I haven't really used him much. 
But oh. when taking the crystal spheres in, in perspective, the gods in D&D are merely travelers that have settled down within their own own planes of existence. Well, I think that's enough time for D&D. Let's talk about Warframe. All right, so Warframe. Well, it is a very, very fun game, although it takes a lot of time to play. It is a third-person shooter game where you play as a space ninja, and you kill two of the different factions. No, there's the more than two, but for spoiler reasons, we won't get into those. So the two main factions are the Corpus and the Grenier. The, the Grenier, Grenier is a well, it, are, is the generations of of deformed clones, clones that well, over time have lost their uh, life sustainability, and no, they have yeah they, they have, well, their, their life their lifespans shorten, and they become more and more deformed, and and they rely heavily on mechanical augmentations for them to even function now. They have two queens, and yes. and the queens. Well, we don't really want to spoil one of the big quests in it, so we'll just kind of go into them a little. The the queens take other grenier and use them to fuel their own life force. Some say they're thousands or even tens of thousands of years old. Yes, and there are two of them. And occasionally, in quests, mostly on Mars and other Grenier encampments, you, you can find these little dolls that, when you scan them with the codex scanner, will reveal some lore about the Grenier Queens. I actually found one when I was playing a mission on Mars. Wow. Have you found any? Uh, yeah, I think I found one. Yeah, she it, was like, she looked like a, a jester, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's the doll. Yeah, it looks like a little metallic doll, so. So, uh, what I specifically wanted to talk about was the modding of Warframes. How does that really work? Well, I believe that, well, war, war, I believe that Warframes have, like, slots in them that you can put in those augmentations, and they will alter the, how the Warframe Hames abilities react. Well... I think that uh, it's not slots in the Warframe, but it's actually experience with specific weapons and other things that allow you to have these special abilities and for you to be better. Like, it increases your ability range and all these other things, and through uh, experience, you will be able to uh, have better abilities, and that's what these mods represent. As you Even get stronger... Explain the polarities, then. Well, the, the, the polarities and mod capacities. Well, and also mod the physical mods. Uh, mod capacities would be more like um, muscle memory. So, like, uh, you're only, you, you're, you only have enough muscle memory to memorize a certain amount of things. And with orican catalysts or orican reactors they increase your amount of muscle memory that you can have um using endo to increase uh mods ability is basically increasing your own ability in that mod 
And then finding mods is just experience. If you go dungeon delving or something. Then explain why you can sell mods and dissolve them into endo and what exactly is endo. Well, you are partially a robot, right? Yeah. So basically, when you sell mods, you're selling part of your programming that allows you to more or less do these muscle memories. You still have the muscle memories because you're partially bio biological, but uh, the mods uh, and the mod capacity is like data storage, muscle memory mix, and selling them is selling your own expertise. Uh, br uh, breaking other mods down is um, destroying or picking apart what they are and putting them into other uh, mods so that you can become stronger in those specific skills. Hmm. That's a very interesting view on what it is. So, Well, I believe that's all the time we have today. Oh, really? Be sure Already? to... Yes, be sure to oh. check in tomorrow. I was going to dive right into the, to the lore of the corpus. But, oh well. well, that'll be for tomorrow. We'll see well. you guys next time. Hope you had a good time, and goodbye. Bye-bye.